You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. India resumes tea shipments to the Russian Federation. A COVID surge makes tea packing unpredictable. And a special report, Beyond Tea Cuisine. Plus, South Asia editor and producer Arvinda Anantharaman concludes a two-part series on realigning the marketing of Indian tea with the questions needed to solve the mammoth task of rebranding the industry as it coaxes the domestic market towards higher quality tea. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliftia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. India has resumed tea shipments to the Russian Federation. Containers of tea, rice, coffee, fruits, and other goods departed last week for the Russian Federation for the first time since sanctions were imposed following the February 24th invasion of Ukraine. Esberbank, which remains a part of the SWIFT network, is facilitating settlement of payments renewing bilateral trade with deliveries largely through ports in Georgia, according to the India Times. A.J. Sahai, Director General and CEO of the Federation of Indian Export Organizations, confirmed details of the rupee-ruble transactions that are structured to bypass sales in U.S. dollars. The organization represents about 200,000 Indian exporters. There are 300 Indian companies operating in Russia, with many planning to increase their presence in the market. Mohit Argwal, director of Asian Tea, a leading exporter, confirmed that tea exports to Russia have begun. Quote, we have just shipped five containers to Russia, he said. Russia annually imports about 43 million kilos of tea, mainly from Assam. A combination of hostilities and sanctions has virtually halted shipments since March. 
The newspaper also quoted rice growers who relied on the Bank of Maharashtra to handle a consignment of 60 containers of rice with Russia's Alpha Bank transferring payments, some in euros. Since February, 470 Western companies have suspended or scaled back their operations, and 110 others have announced they will postpone new investments, according to a report in the Asian Times. Russia is currently the most heavily sanctioned country in the world, with some 5,000 sanctions in force. Business Insight India relies on Russia to provide two-thirds of its military equipment. The two nations have been allied since the 1970s, trading oil, fertilizer, and grain for spices, rice, and tea. China, India, Turkey, and Pakistan recently increased trade with Russia to offset sanctions that virtually eliminated the exchange of goods from the EU and U.S. A fresh round of sanctions will soon disconnect as Bank, the credit bank of Moscow, and the Russian Agricultural Bank from SWIFT, the international payment system. India routinely bypasses U.S. sanctions imposed on Iran, routing payments in rials for 35 million kilos of tea through the UAE and Turkey. Extensive lockdowns that halted manufacturing of flexible plastics have combined with port closures to curtail supply as warehouse stocks decline. The surge in e-commerce as a result of the pandemic transformed the supply chain for manufacturers, retailers, and distributors. E-commerce has increased supply chain complexity for tea, requiring additional packaging, both primary and secondary, in order to enable a packaged product to enter the longer, more complex distribution chain of an e-commerce world to meet shifting consumer expectations. Of immediate concern is China's flexible packaging manufacturers who supply much of the global industry's films, cardboard, and packaging materials used in making everything from overwrap and tags for tea bags to BET bottles for ready-to-drink iced teas. The Chinese market, representing about 5% of the global packaging total, was valued at $39 billion in 2020. 70% of the world's packaging materials originate in emerging countries that are currently struggling with logistics and pandemic-related restrictions on transport. Rising fuel expenses add to transportation expenses that have increased packaging costs to record highs the past two years. Shanghai's vibrant packaging center is among the hardest hit in recent months. Typical is Shanghai Zhijing Enterprise, the fifth largest packaging company in China, which employs 7,000 people making PET preforms, PP bottles, crown and anti-theft caps and labels, as well as metalized paper and BOPA films. It is a primary supplier for Nestle, Unilever, Danone, and Coca-Cola products. There are now 344 ships awaiting berth at the port of Shanghai, with delays adding 74 days to destinations 
pre-pandemic. Shanghai's five-week lockdown was extended yet again this week. The number of infections is down to 5,000 in a city of 25 million, but community spread persists. About 2.5 million residents are still forbidden to leave their homes. Beijing, meanwhile, has shut down 60 subway stations, and those in controlled areas deemed to be at risk are not allowed to depart the city. Business Insight Brand owners, retailers, and consumers continue to experience supply chain shock two years after the start of national lockdowns. Higher prices for imports seem certain as inflation, fuel, and transport delays continue. A move towards sourcing local packaging materials has been seen, although more expensive, according to Smithers' research. This week, T-Biz publishes a special report called Beyond Tea Cuisine. No longer exotic, tea as an ingredient used in cooking has become mainstream by Janice Hashi. Something began brewing in chef's kitchens in the late 90s, she writes. Chef Robert Wemishner was preparing his book Cooking with Tea. Cynthia Gold was experimenting with tea and recipes at her cafe in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And Ravi Croson was beginning a job search that would lead to his work in a tea warehouse in 2000. At the time, the West was discovering the many uses of tea in cooking and techniques known in the East for centuries, and was inventing some new uses of its own from matcha shortbread to mixed drinks. Today, cooking with tea is considered a classic, as is Gold's book with Lisa Stern called Culinary Tea. Rosen is vice president at Portland Smith Teamaker, home of the Tea Cafe, where tea can be found everywhere on the menu. Cynthia Gold says that, quote, What's changed is what I hoped would change. There is no such thing as tea cuisine. It is no longer an oddity or a fad. It's just another palette of ingredients and techniques that can and do inspire many chefs and mixologists. Gold noted that cooking with tea is not about making something taste like tea. Quote, In my mind, she says, the most successful uses of tea are when it has altered the end result in a positive way, but is almost like a secret ingredient. It enhances without dominating for a well-balanced recipe, and since it can do that so well, I truly believe that tea in our food, cocktails, and lives is here to stay. End quote. Read the full feature this week at www.tjourney.pub. Arvinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on this week's tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for the week ending April 30th, 2022. While much of India struggles with a heat wave, many of the tea regions, including Darjeeling, Assam, Meghalaya, Kerala, and Tamil Nadu, continue to see widespread rain with thunderstorms in some parts. For sale 17, all the auction centers were open. In Kolkata, exporters were active for Darjeeling tea, although prices dropped in comparison with sale 17, and there were more outlots. 
But Orthodox Leaf had a good week, with good demand from the Middle East. Also in the South, Kunur saw 97% of Orthodox Leaf on offer sold. Cochin also did well for Orthodox Tea, with 94% of Leaf on offer sold. And here, exporters were active with good participation from CIS countries. Hindustan Unilever was also active for Orthodox Leaf. Gohati saw a fair demand, all the major packages were subdued. Prices also dropped and this trend was seen in Siliguri as well, with low prices and nearly half the volume of tea unsold. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Bogdan, a passionate tea drinker and the inventor of the ultimate tea machine, the Brewmaker One. Preparation is key to making fine tea. Sequential steepings deliver the best taste possible and unlock the true value of whole leaf teas and botanicals. Brew automates that process without using any pots or capsules. This simple to operate smartphone control device stores steeping profiles to consistently make great tea at the push of a button. Brew also reduces time, waste and energy. That's because I engineered the brew to remember control settings for temperature, brewing time and quantity. Using my patented process lets you stack steep simply and conveniently. This week, TVIZ returns to Bengaluru, where South Asia editor and producer Arvinda Anantharaman concludes a two-part series on realigning the marketing of Indian tea with the questions needed to solve the mammoth task of rebranding the industry as it coaxes consumers in the domestic market to drink higher quality tea. In part two of our story on realigning the marketing of Indian tea, we speak to various stakeholders in the industry, including brand owners Nikita Mittal, Dira Jarora and Preeti Senarora, Anuba Jawar, tea producers and industry veterans Jagjit Kandal, Vikram Gulia, Atul Astana, Ajay Jalan, Raj Barua and Raja Banerjee. We also have Ramya Ramurthy, author of Branded in History, offering her views on nostalgia as a marketing trope in tea. On the road between Siliguri and Darjeeling, there was a small tea stall where visitors stopped for a break as they approached the Margaret's Hope Tea Estate. The stall was run by the estate. It was the only one on this three-hour journey from Siliguri to Kershong. The Goodrick Group that owns the garden refurbished and rebuilt the stop to create Margaret's Deck, a restaurant and tea lounge that overhangs the cliff and looks into the valley. Today, it's listed number one restaurant in Kershong on TripAdvisor and is a popular stop. It also doubles up as a significant marketing asset. It invites visitors to sample and savor their tea and purchase packets to take back with them. Nothing has helped sell tea more than having people see it and try it. And Goodrick has since opened more lounges in Darjeeling but also in Mumbai and Kolkata. And while the Middle and North Indian belts are big markets for the group, it's in Kolkata that they've found the most discerning audience. Kolkata did not need much to convert to tea being a hub for the British East India Company, the site of tea auctions and a port city with proximity to both Darjeeling and Assam. And Darjeeling tea has always been a tea of choice for the Bengali people. With Kolkata as a single market and probably one of India's most mature markets for tea, it does not represent the diversity of India's taste for tea. In Delhi, Middle Teas opened in 1954 to sell a range of teas and continues to be a store of choice in the capital. 
Nikita Middle speaks of how access to tea can influence customer preferences. For every walk-in, we treat it like uh, you know some VIP has arrived, and we try to give them the best experience around tea. And once they have tasted a good quality tea, whichever they choose, black, oolong, white, green, chai, they know that they cannot go back to the average one or below average ones. So that's how we're trying to do it, uh, one cup at a time. In 2008-2009, Preeti and Dheera Jarora started Karma Kettle as a restaurant serving Anglo-Indian food in Singapore. They had a ringside view of the explosion of the beverage market as brands began to offer custom blending and pairing tea with food. Five years later, the couple decided to return to India. At that time, India was waking up to green tea. Dheera's family owns and runs Cochrane Place in Kashong, a boutique hotel with Makai Bari, Ambutia and Castleton Tea Gardens as neighbours. Buyers from Europe who stayed here introduced Dheeraj to blending botanicals with tea and all of these experiences led them to embark on a tea journey. In 2013, Karma Kettle was launched as a tea brand and the teas were marketed as voyages in a teacup. Part of the success is attributed to the fact that India was not only a liberalized market but the urban Indian was now well-traveled and keen to seek experiences whether here or abroad. Experience is a word that often comes up in the conversation on marketing tea. But proving that access to tea need not be upscale is the story of the T1D. In the Nilgiri's T1Ds or tea trucks were launched last year by Incoserve, the government-run cooperative of small farmers and bottling factories. In an earlier interview with with us, Supriya Sahu, Incoserve CEO. In an earlier interview with us, Supriya Sahu, Incoserve CEO has said that selling packaged tea was a way to expand the available avenues for them and creating a brand was necessary to retail tea. While Inco has a tea house at Katabetu in Bedford in the Nilgiris, is the striking red trucks parked at popular tourist spots in the hills that have caught public attention, showing how even small farmers can retail and find an audience. But no matter what scale or legacy and whether they have a store or long history, everyone's now online. The deep pr- proliferation of mobile phones and access to the internet has had a definite impact on the Indian consumer. It has also meant that it's no longer the urban Indian who's the end consumer, but significantly includes those who live in smaller towns who can access products as quickly as an urbanite. And the opening of markets has impacted consumption patterns and has led to several small brands coming up without the need to invest heavily in marketing. Today, the producers are actually at the mercy of the market, right? And uh, if the market doesn't pay them, The question now to the producers would be, what are you doing about it? If you can't keep saying, I am okay, but market is not supporting me. Either I get out of that market and the market is not going to pay me the money, or I change my business model to address and find another opportunity. And I think, to me, one of the things which every estate should do is put out 5-10% of their teas as packet teas directly into the market. And and the beauty of today with the online market is there's very little investment. Just start it off. You start small. Out of 100 guys who do this, if 20 guys take off, that would create a real challenge to the market. Right? And it will force the balanced market players who are not producers to rethink their strategy. Karma Kettle does not own a tea garden, but they see this as an advantage in the teas they bring to their customers. But here's the thing, despite starting digital, Karma Kettle soon opened a tea room in Kolkata. Perhaps here lies another lesson that marketing tea 
is not about choosing digital or offline, but a blend of both. The pandemic certainly changed how producers and brands view the domestic market. In 2020, the lockdown was announced just as North India geared to harvest its first flush. Closing borders, stores and hospitality meant that consumers turned online. And producers and brands took steps to meet them here. Celeste was born during the pandemic, started by Anuba Jawar, who grew up a Miti in Saliguri. Celeste's blend are her USP with ingredients chosen to make them palatable to the Indian consumer. Here too, there is a focus on the experience. Celeste's tea come in lovely packaging, but Anuba quickly points out that packaging is only part of the experience and should instead focus on conscious consumption, whether in the material used to package the teas, the tea bags, or the quality of ingredients used. Celestia, like Karma Kettle, has succeeded in making tea appealing to a younger market by being a vibrant brand more invested in flavors rather than tea's snob value. Because that's the other problem Indian marketers will have to address, creating a new market for tea among India's youth, something that coffee has succeeded in and will be hard to replace. Go back to coffee. They didn't, they've never boasted of the amount of coffee we saw. They boast of what are the taste profiles they bring what's the different types of taste, what, you know, what's the occasion that they bring. Mm. And that's how they become icons. Even uh, some of the global chains like Starbucks and all are not known to bring the best of coffees. On the quality front, you will not consider them, but, but they're bringing out an experience, right? Mm. They're selling on that. Chayos and Chai Point are both brands with several outlets across the country offering a range of tea and snacks. The audience for these are office goers who need a quick bite and want a good cup of tea. And a quick look at the menu points to what Indian consumers are looking for chai and green tea. Where once regional preferences could be addressed by packaging various grades, product diversification is much more complex today, leading producers to keep up with trends seen with the proliferation of butterfly pea flatisane, turmeric blends, and more recently, immunity teas. The pandemic jump-started the category of immunity teas, and nearly every brand quickly added it to their portfolio, catering to a health-conscious Indian segment that has thus far been hooked to green tea. And green tea rose in popularity in the last 10 years, although it, it has been around for longer, made for an export base. Its marketing has been one of the recent successes tea has enjoyed, and the marketing narrative has hinged on its supposed properties to detox and help its drinkers enjoy wellness. Both Tata Consumer Products and Hindustan Unilever led the green tea marketing with television commercials and ads and young Bollywood actors as ambassadors, emphasizing the influence mass media and big brands have in shaping consumer preferences. How was this ever going to be a sustainable industry when you look at this very simple uh, numbers, yeah? your cost of production and you're trying to sell in the market at even below that. So that's the first thing which needs to be questioned. And at the same time, there are, and you look at Chayos or you look at the uh, boutique shops, they're selling teas at a thousand rupees a kilo, right? So their whole thing of saying, oh, the, the public will not accept it higher actually is to me a short circuit by marketing guys because they don't want to fight in the market. So they fight at the production point. To me, that's the very basic issue which the industry needs to answer. And I would put that question to really all the big packeteers. Uh, because they are, the, they are the ones who create the whole impression with the janta. And yes, nothing is going to change overnight. Right? Yeah. But 
but have they even started at it no and and they need to realize that that you know they're making no effort to make that change that yes this is the product which needs to be upscaled even at the lowest point price point i mean why why are they not looking at what value the the tea even at the cheapest tea brings to the consumer why why sell it as sasta hai if a consumer is buying it let's say the poorest of the poor is buying it he's got some value which is there on that Ajay Jalan of Mokulbari Tea Estate in Assam and head of the Tea Association of India points that tea from major packages is so commoditized that it does not encourage consumers to have more cups. He reminds us that per capita consumption is still low and he speaks of the need for a digital platform to promote Indian teas within the domestic and international market. In fact, the Tea Association of India has proposed a public private partnership model with producers and the tea board collaborating to create a platform that will actively promote specialty tea in assam rajborwa after entering his family's tea business was attracted to the idea of retailing traveling to china changed how he viewed the tea trade and his views on selling directly to consumers raj launched rujani as a brand that would represent the best whole leaf teas made at his garden adyobari He was attempting to break the mold and the perception that Assam teas are CTCTs. Every tea producer recognizes the need to diversify and meet consumers halfway. Goodrick has started making masala tea and the most recent release is a range of iced teas made from green tea sourced from Badam Town and Bansbek their gardens. Also in Darjeeling, Dorje Teas has launched a cold brew for the domestic market. Bula in Assam is making bagless tea dips. There is diversification and innovation taking place, which may well be the shift in India's tea narrative. And what of the consumer themselves? Are they ready for a new way of drinking and enjoying tea? On the one hand, more than fifty percent of tea drinkers are from rural India, for whom price is a deciding factor. On the other, millennials with infamously short attention spans need to be hooked in the first ten seconds of a post or a reel. The problem again returns to which India and which segment brands are pursuing, because there's no one-size-fits-all formula, and as many varieties of teas the country produces, so too are the pockets that make up its markets. What has really changed is in access, because anyone can order tea from anywhere in India, and more often than not, a two-day delivery is possible. And then we come to brands and stories that sell. Rajani's Rajborwa chose to brand his leaves as whole leaf and not specialty tea. And in his blog post, he writes, "I have come to realize that every specialty tea has to have a story behind it. Sometimes true, and sometimes a better story than the tea. The success of the storytelling as a means to market the tea is evident and has played an important role in birthing the category of specialty tea. For brands, stories are the marketing hook, and there are plenty of stories from the tea lands of India." whether history conservation culture communities or even ghost stories but few have been able to exploit these mem- them memorably the narrative continues to be half-hearted rather than sustained attempts to tell india's story even though the customer seems eager to hear more perhaps only darjeeling has succeeded in offering customers a sufficiently intriguing story and there are many from the story of young margaret who fell in love with the estate her father ran and promised to return but didn't or jangpana and how it got its name from the dying and thirsty nobleman one planter who's used his storytelling skills to put his garden on the map would be raja banerji the former owner of the makaibari tea estate if one must measure its brand success makaibari tea has reached the queen of england in its time 
as a brand it was organic before that became a buzzword and sustainable before we even started talking about it no tea is unsaleable every gram of tea can be sold it all you have to do is make that extra yardage to find a home for it Makaibari has been a rare Darjeeling garden that sought the domestic market early. They were open to visitors who arrived in large numbers on weekends and, besides the tour of the factory, had a taste of the tea. Everyone who walked out left buying a packet of tea. It was effortless marketing and helped build the brand. It was also an experience people remembered. For the mass market, tea has been sold on other narratives. One of the early television commercials for Hindustan Unilever's Taj Mahal Tea featured tabla maestro Zakir Hussain endorsing the tea. Keeping the brand's link to classical music intact, the most recent commercial for the Taj Mahal brand asks consumers to make time for tea, even as classical music plays on in the background. Both Tata Consumer Products and Hindustan Unilever have sought storylines that appeal to a higher ideal. For Tata, it has been the Jagore campaign introduced in 2008 and still in use. It started as a wake-up call to vote in the elections and ex- expanded to various civic issues. Hindustan Unilever also has advertising that covers many social in- issues such as secularism and inclusion. Emotion and nostalgia continue to be compelling marketing narratives, and especially for chai. The challenge for new brands then is in the lack of resources to match these expensive ad campaigns and also to find a narrative that is emotive and memorable and also their own. What is the success behind any company? Creating legends. And how do you create legends? <laughs> Being a raconteur. So unless you can tell a story based on the truth, then it's an added. Storytelling is an add-on to that. The best farm stories come from the producers themselves. They're beginning to realize the interest consumers have in getting a peek into the world where the tea is grown and made. And gardens are rich for these stories, whether and how people live and work, Flora and fauna, the factory, tea gardens are little worlds into themselves and everything is potentially a story. An elephant herd passing through makes us stop and gasp with wonder. The paw print of a leopard on a muddy track is fascinating, as much as the journey of the leaf from the field through the machines and out. So what is the big question that remains in marketing tea? We speak of how digital is changing and transforming how consumers find, source and access teas. And here Raj Barua voices caution. Sales, he reminds us, sales, he points out, are taking place on marketplaces and not on a brand's website. Single digital websites like Rojani, he says, are not drawing traction. People prefer marketplaces. Even the bigger tea brands online are selling mostly on Amazon. He also cites the story of Tivana in the US, the tea brand that was founded in 1997, bootstrapped and eventually reaching IPO and then bought by Starbucks for a whopping $620 million. What became of Tivana, he asks. It peaked in success before a slump, and one one reason that's cited is its heavy retail presence could not keep up with online brands. Are we still marketing tea? asks Raj, because no one has found the growth curve. If Starbucks couldn't, we are in serious trouble. There's a systemic problem in retailing tea, he says. It is simple, very, very simple. How do you move Indian consumption from the 0.78 to 0.85? Leverage it. Get 100 people into a room, give them one question to ask. Not who's going to do it, right? Yeah. Answer that later. Yeah. First question, answer how. Yeah. How do you get people to consume more? 
because there's a role for the market for the government to play in that there's a role for the packeteers marketeers to play in that and there's a role for the producers if we answer that question and then say okay you know this falls into your part this falls into your part how do you then form a group which can work together to bring those three or four different players to one aim one goal we will have a solution maybe that's the question we need to answer not whether people need to be educated about tea or are willing to spend more on a better tea perhaps india's tea marketing should begin with a single task of incre- increasing consumption for one cup a day intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast would you like to learn more from our global network of tea biz journalists and tea experts Remember to visit the TBiz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.